Welcome to the latest edition of Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime with me, Marshan Kenny. Well, I started this show not too long ago with the idea of telling the stories on why we love Southern Miss so much from a lot of familiar faces. We've had Will Hall on here talking about the passionate fans at The Rock. We've had Scott Berry on here talking about that Pete Taylor Park magic. And we've had Jay Ladner talking about this basketball season, bringing back that 80s Eagle fever, baby. So hopefully all these stories are really giving you a good grasp on why we love Southern Miss so much. Well, fan comments have also been a big portion of this show. And uh, normally I'll read these fan comments from a question, but we decided to change things up this week. And the way we did that is that I asked the Southern Miss Nation on Facebook and Twitter to send me your favorite picks with our favorite bird, Seymour. So my wife and the producer of this show, Angela Kenny, got a lot of these picks together. And well, with all that said, let's let the slideshow roll. Thanks so much for sending all those pictures in with our favorite bird, Seymour. And if you want to see him again or maybe see some new ones that came after we taped this show, head over to our website, anytimemarchant.com, and they'll all be there. Well, you know this show is big with interviews, and today's interview, I am so fired up about. It comes from a college baseball coaching legend. That's right, the one and only Hill Denson. When you talk about college baseball coaching legends, you better talk about former Southern Miss head baseball coach Hill Denson, and he's my guest today. And Coach, it is so awesome to have you on. How's everything going, man? Oh, Sean, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. I've seen some of your first shows, and I really enjoy it. And uh, I, I'm glad to have a chance to be on here with you. And I'm okay. doing, we doing fine. Heck yeah! Well, it's so awesome to have you on and looking you up, man. Uh, I've never seen so many Hall of Fames. You definitely have the most on anybody on this show so far. Six Hall of Fames, the American Baseball Coaches Association Hall of Fame, one of only eight Mississippians in that, which is a huge honor. You're in the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. You're in the Mississippi Semi-Pro Sports Hall of Fame. You're in the Jones Junior College Hall of Fame, the Southern Miss Hall of Fame, the Bellhaven Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, Coach, the, the list goes on and on, and people that know you, are you in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Because people know you, man. You might be no, there, too. No, I hadn't made that one yet. So uh, <laughs> I had a buddy that accused me of driving through a county, and they gave me a Hall of Fame when I go through there. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. But what, what a coaching career, and I can't wait to go through it. And, and one of the coolest things always, because I knew you from back in the day when I was playing football, you were the coach at Southern Miss uh, Baseball. You know, every time I go to Pete Taylor Park nowadays, I see center field, Pete Taylor Parks, Hill Denson Field. It's super cool. How does that make you feel, even, man, seeing your name out there? Well, it, it really is quite an honor, and uh, I, I think even more so now when I go down to the games, which is very often. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's uh, something I've learned. It's grown on me as an importance. You know, I, it, it probably when it happened, it wasn't seeming like that important to do that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's it's great honor. And, of course, anything to do with Southern Miss is – far as I'm concerned, is the best. So. Heck yeah. And Southern Miss has been in your blood for a long time, man. Played baseball back in the 60s, graduated from there. You were coached by the legendary Pete Taylor, man. So how is it uh, playing baseball and being a student athlete back in the 1960s at Southern Miss? Well, it's been so long ago, I can hardly remember any of that. <laughs> I do remember the, the fire at uh, Cap Sick House at night, in the middle of the night during spring break and things like that. But uh, playing ball was, was great back then. Uh, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, 
recruited baseball athletes, uh, had a few. I was one of them that was there. And the coach showed me I was planning to go to Delta State. Uh, coach Parrish had already gotten me a glove. I don't know if that was legal back then, but he had gotten me a glove. I was planning on going to uh, Delta State, and Pete called one day and said he would. And, of course, I liked the idea of being a little closer. Uh home and, and, and I always kind of grew up going to Southern Miss football games and all that sort of thing. So I, I was very interested in going to Southern Miss when he, when he did call me and he said, I can't give you scholarships, but he said, I can get you a proctorship. I said, what in the world is a proctorship? He said, uh, well, you just live on the dorm floor and take care of things, do paperwork and stuff like that for the dorm floor and make sure there's nobody shooting each other or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was a proctor then. I, I don't know if they still call them that or not down there, but uh, that was my scholarship. And it, I think they paid for my tuition back then, which wasn't a whole lot, but it was it meant a lot to me at the time. Oh, heck yeah. And uh, I, mean, I mean, what a cool dynamic with considering everything you did at Southern Miss playing there, playing for Pete Taylor. And, and once baseball was over, uh, you semi-pro ball, you managed and played some, and coaching was in your blood. What made you kind of get that coaching vibe? You know, I don't really know, to tell you the truth. I, you know, I just uh, ended up, ended up in it. I don't know. I, my, my degree was in chemistry. I majored in chemistry, and I wasn't sure when I got out what I was going to do. Uh, you know, along toward the, right before the end of, or just before graduation, I remember getting a call from Chamberlain Hunt Military Academy, and they wanted to talk to me about coming over and being a basketball coach. Uh, I was a basketball player in junior college and played that string music for the John Bobcats over there. there Although I didn't make much music, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I played, played Jones there, played basketball and baseball. And, and, uh, he said, we don't have a baseball team, but we might put one, you might put one in when you get here. And so, you know, I ended up being that. I ended up taking that job, taught five classes of chemistry during the day. And, uh, I think three classes of chemistry and maybe some general science, but uh, taught, taught five classes a day. And then then was assistant football coach, assistant, uh, uh, well, the head baseball, I mean, basketball coach. And then, then we did start a baseball program. When I got there, we found some old uniforms. They had had a baseball team at one time, and they had them stored up. And so we found a little place on the, on the campus there to make us a field, and, and we ended up playing baseball there, too, at the same time. I was there three years at Chamberlain Military Academy, all-boys school. And, and talking about your coaching career, I mean, high school was a big part of it early on. In 1971, your career really gets kick-started at Callaway High School. Uh, and by the time in 1981, you all win state championship, and that 81 team is considered one of the best Mississippi baseball teams of all time. I mean, what does that 81 team mean to you? People still talk about it to this day. Yeah, they do. Uh, I have scouts, uh, older scouts that were around at that time, uh, you know, were still arguing about uh, which is the best college, I mean, high school baseball team they'd ever seen, the Callaway team in that year. Or they, it was one at uh, Pensacola, Pensacola Gulf Breeze or one of the high schools there in Pensacola that they always compared the two to and, both of us had several guys that went on to pro ball and a lot of college players on it. And they were both really good players. And I was lucky enough in those years at, at uh, Callaway, the 10 years, it, this was right after integration. And so it was a, it was a turmoil time, but it was a perfect situation to, to go into and, and, 
uh, you know, help help control the uh, the black white situation. And, and uh, we just had a great mixture of kids that wanted to play the game. And, and uh, during that time I was there, we every sport at Callaway High School won the state championship. At, uh, you know, at one year, at least one time during that ten years I was there. So. You know, all of it was a, a great school. It, it really compares probably to Madison Central High School now in Jackson. You know, suburban uh, high school that was doing good. So it was it was a lot of fun and a lot of great members. Ten years, uh, ten years at a place. So yeah, good. coach. I mean, people think of you. They think baseball, baseball, baseball. But I keep hearing a little football there. You were the football offensive coordinator at Callaway High School too. Talk talk about just that little dynamic, coaching football and baseball at the same time. Well, you know, I just thought that's the way it was. I'd been doing it for, you know, the whole time. I was assistant football coach everywhere I went. And actually, I, I, one thing I learned real early on was that, that football is a complicated, simple game. It looks complicated. And baseball is a complicated game. It looks simple. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put that old story. And it is absolutely true. There's no question about it. But, uh, you know, I really enjoyed coaching football. I did. I was the offensive coordinator when we won the state championship. Uh, you know, I, I had been under a couple of good guys that put in an offense back then. We, it was really called a Callaway option is what it was. It, it was, a, you know, out of an eye running an, an option uh, out of it. We had some great play, players doing it. I had 15 guys signed major college that year. So, uh, you know, we had some great guys doing it. And, uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun to to go twelve and zero and, and win that thing. So yeah. Oh heck yeah, man! But yeah, unique dynamic. A lot of coaches did coach football and baseball back then. But uh, during that time frame too, uh, one of the most important things in your life clearly happens. You meet your wife Judy, man. You go, you all are a legendary couple around Hattiesburg in the Mississippi area, and she was working at WLBT, the NBC station in Jackson, and she's kind of a big celebrity, man, big name, and she. She hears of this guy, Hill Denson, and uh, she, she immediate, immediate attraction. She thinks he looks like the famous actor, George Hamilton, man. So so how did well, y'all meet and, and, and how'd that all go down, man? Because y'all well, were a pretty awesome couple. <laughs> it was. I, I actually picked her out when I was at Chamberlain Hunt for off the TV. She was doing the news. And uh, the, she, at that time, she was doing the 1025 weather at night. And uh Kind of like the way she said good night on that thing, and then so I, I happened to have a buddy that was at Mississippi College. I knew she was a Mississippi College student, so had a, a friend there, a girl that was a friend of mine that uh, was in school there, and she was dating a buddy of mine. So I had her fix me up with Judy, and from there I just swept her off her feet. So. That's all it was to it. So, <laughs> oh yeah, the ultimate charmer, Coach Denson. I've known you for a long time. I can, I can see that. <laughs> no, but what an awesome couple, man. And like I said, she was a celebrity. You're turning into a celebrity with the coaching. Uh, but your life, both of you, it, it takes you to Nashville, and uh, you wind up being the baseball coach at Vanderbilt. But also for the Nashville AAA team, you're the director of game operations there. So this is about a two, three year stint. You're doing these jobs. And uh, just talk about that little run right there, uh, kind of moving up in the ranks, getting to the SEC. Yeah, uh, actually, the, the, uh, we moved to Nashville. Uh, Judy and I decided we wanted to go to Nashville uh, two or three years before it happened. If, if we ever got a chance, either one of us go, if we, we decided we'd love to move up there and, and give it a try. At that time, she had uh, 
then doing Coffee with Judy, which was a morning TV show here in Jackson. And, you know, I was at Callaway. And uh, we we decided that uh, we would go if, if we ever got an opportunity. Well, the opportunity came for her to help go up and start the Nashville Network, which at that time was the beginning of cable TV. And I moved without a job, by the way. So we, I got up there looking for a job. And, and I ended up being the volunteer assistant at, at Vanderbilt that fall of that year. Uh, and I had a buddy that was coaching there. I knew him. And so I volunteered to help. And, and you know, I worked with, there at Vandy. So that's the part that's on my resume. I was a volunteer coach there at Vandy. But I was kept looking for a job at the time. It wasn't paying me anything, so I needed a little money coming in, you know. So I ended up um, catching on with the Nashville Sounds, which was actually the double-A affiliate of the Yankees at the time. Double-A, uh, forgive me. Double-A there in Nashville. And and I got hired with them to really to walk the streets for – it was in the wintertime, so I got uh, started out walking the streets, and they assigned me music role, so I was – going around to all the music offices, knocking on the door and going in and selling season tickets is the way I started doing it. And, but when the season came around, uh, he promoted me. He didn't mention any money promotion, but he promoted me to the director of in-game operations or whatever the title was. And I handled things like uh, before game, you know, uh, people doing the national anthem and all that. And I decided that, I was going out to the show a good bit. By that time, they were on the air when we got there with the Nashville Now show, which Judy was on with Ralph Emery and all those guys. And I'd go out there a couple of nights a week and sit backstage and all the different stars. I, uh, I decided that since they had put me in charge of it, I would try to see if I could do it so that we had the National Anthem <clears throat> done live every night on some sort of instrument. So... I was amazed at the stars that would be on the show, uh, to me, stars, uh, you know, a lot of Grand Ole Opry people and all that kind of stuff. You know, I decided I would just ask them. I started asking them, do you want to do the national anthem at, at, uh, out at the ballpark for the sounds game? And I was completely flabbergasted that every one of them wanted to do it. I didn't ever get turned down. Not a single one did not want to do it. And, um, so they all wanted to do it, and none of them mentioned money. So we weren't going to pay to do it anyhow. But they all wanted to do it, and it still surprised me to this day that, that all those people would do it. I'd had the Gatlin brothers, and, you know, I don't know. I can't remember John Connolly and, you know, just different ones. And then on the Nashville Now show with Judy that night, I got to know all that band, and you, we had harmonica players and fiddle players and all that kind of stuff, and I'd ask them. We had the national anthem done on the harmonica, and we had it done on the fiddle. Uh, we had it done. But we ended up with doing something I don't think has ever been duplicated since then, and that was we had a live national anthem every year. I mean, every game, every home game that year, we had a live national anthem of some sort. You know, what you're doing in Nashville, you're coaching baseball with Bandy. You obviously got the awesome coaching background with Callaway and what have you. But you're also doing this uh, director of game operations with the Nashville Sound. You're learning how to sell. You're learning how to promote. Well, wouldn't you know, a job at Southern Miss so offers, uh, opens up for you. It's coming full circle from where you went to school. Pete Taylor's heading out. Here comes Coach Hill Denson. But when you came in, what I'm getting to, stars aligning, Southern Miss needed a lot of selling, needed a lot of uh, promotions, needed a lot of things going because 
back then, coach, they were giving away tickets for free when you first walked in there, man. There was a lot oh, to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was uh, the field had just been built, by the way. And, and there's a picture of it in the clubhouse that if you walk in on Coach Barry's side of the clubhouse, when you walk in from that entrance, there's a big picture of the field. And, and I've got it over here somewhere, too. But it's a, the field that was built was built in the fall. They finished it in the fall with the National Guard building it. And they really were duplicating Pedal High School's baseball field is what they were doing. The, the guy that was hitting, um, kind of in charge of the physical plant overseeing the job was lived in, in Pedal and kind of had helped build their field. So he was did the dugouts like them and everything else and chain link fence all the way around. But they finished it, and they, and they had fall practice there. there. There hadn't been a game on it when I got there. See, I didn't go. I went in there December the 1st or December the 3rd, I think it was. So I went in at Christmas, and we played a game three weeks later, by the way. So, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of time, no recruiting or anything else. And so um, – but the field had just been built, but never a game played on it. And it was uh, in pretty rough shape, but it had just been built. And, and they had fall practice on it in that – Near as I could tell, that did more damage than anything because it just did a lot of uh, eating the grass up around the plate and all that kind of stuff it was just barren. And, you know, but it was it was a nice setup down there, right where it is now, the same thing. And uh, for those of you who have seen that picture, you know what I'm talking about. But it, it was uh, – it, it, it was something we had to get going. And, and you know, you mentioned that part about the selling. That I was selling season tickets, and I did. It became part of my job to sell outfield fence signs and all the little games that we played in between, get sponsors for them and things like that. So that was where I did get some experience about that and used an awful lot. I didn't know I was going to be using it in Hattiesburg, but we did a lot of that kind of stuff. And, you know, one of the – First thing we did was, uh, you know, was was sell outfield fence signs and built a wall after the, that first spring. And uh, but uh, you know, had little games like I remember Shipley's Donut sponsored. Uh, we had a pitcher, uh, you know, pitching, throwing a ball through the hole, and you got a dozen donuts if you went through it, and that sort of thing. little things like that. So started putting that kind of stuff in, and and of course the charging at the gate was was a big deal that I had learned up there, and still. A lot of people don't know. Uh, you don't give these. You don't give tickets away. People won't come to free things very long. They may come, but they won't stay there. May come and stay an inning if you give them a ticket, but they're not going to stay around. And uh, you know, it's just they don't become real fans that way. So free tickets are not the answer. By the way, just just put in one of your. Uh, your your uh, screams you to do at the beginning. What do you call them? You call them march ant rants. Uh, rants. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you know we don't give free tickets away, and giving those free tickets don't help. You know the students need to pay a little something. It may not be but a dollar a game, but you know they pay a little something for a ticket. And the students will come. They'll start filling it up, and they'll stay there. Uh, same time football, basketball, anything. So you don't get free tickets. So that was one of the first things I had learned with the National Sounds. And, and of course, you've heard the story, I'm sure, where I went to Coach Dale. This is true. Uh, you know, I went to Coach Dale, who had hired me, uh, Roland Dale, and told him I wanted to charge at those first games. He said, I can't tell you exact language you used, but it was a 
and boy, you can't charge out there nobody who won't make enough money to pay that ticket tater. I said, well, okay. So I just had one of the players that we, you know, one of our kind of a red shirt players that we had on our team or some of our pitchers. I can't remember how we did it, but we had some of the guys assigned during the game to work the gate up there. We didn't even have a perimeter fence around anyhow. They could walk around if they wanted to. And I think we maybe we charged a dollar. Uh, huh. Maybe two dollars. And, uh, you know, just something is the main thing I'm saying is just charge something. And, and you know, we did that and we didn't couldn't have, didn't have to pay a ticket taker as one of our players did. Yeah. Well, well, Coach, like I said, in this scene, you're walking in there, the fans, you know, it's not really packed like it is now. Uh, the debt of gratitude Southern Miss fans have for what you did for Southern Miss baseball is eternal. You can't pay it off. You're a visionary at that time. You're like the Field of Dreams movie when Kevin Costner's walking through the field. If you build it, they will come. I mean, this is in your head, and you got to build this thing. Uh, you even get an idea for night games. So what was your, your thoughts? Like, you know, let's get some games at night now because they weren't going on. Everything was during the day. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it, if you're going to draw crowds, you had to play. If you play it during the week, people work. And so, you know, they're not going to be out there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon during weekdays. And, and so, you know, we had to have lights. And, you know, that was a battle with the, with the administration, uh, Roland and Bill McClellan. Uh, you know, we got to have some lights out here so we can play and uh, you know, draw crowds and all. And they, all they always just looked at me, roll their eyes when I'd say draw crowds. And uh, But uh, anyhow, that's kind of, it took a long time to get there. That I went in the fall, I went in this, uh, Christmas of, of 84. And it was 88, I believe, when we got lights, maybe 89. I think it was 88 when we got the lights. And it was, at that time, lights were $250,000. That's a lot of, it's a lot of money and, and uh, back in those days and never did know how we paid for it. But uh, it always seemed to me that if we needed something, you could get it. But but all we could hear was how, how we didn't have any money. So, but so I, you know, I figured uh, you might as well ask. And of course, I got cussed a lot for asking. <laughs> I, I got used to that. Well, knowing you, you're not somebody who takes no for an answer. And so, you know, for years building this program, you're selling, you're promoting, you're doing everything. You're a one-man show, it seems, getting it going. And eventually, man, it people start listening. Uh, eventually, the program gets to where it's top 20 in attendance nationally under your tenure. Almost top 10 in 95 and 96 in attendance. So everything you did, man, all the hard work, the dedication, endless hours of selling, it paid off big time because the fans started coming, man. Yeah, in fact... I, somewhere up here, I've got a, an article that was, I think it was 89, what I think, 88 or 89. We were, we were, uh, I don't remember, 11th or 12th in the country in attendance at that time. So, you know, Mississippi State, at the time I took over, there were about 10, uh, eight or 10 baseball programs in the nation that it were considered baseball programs and really good baseball pro Mississippi State was one of them and uh, they were about the only one in the SEC that cared whether they won or lost in, in baseball and so Mississippi State's always been a good baseball program and of course my buddy Ron Pope was up there and you know he and I were 
trends and, and so forth. But state's always been one of those programs. You know, that, that was Mississippi State. There was Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Miami, Southern Cal. Uh, I don't know. I think who all else, but there were a few more. And uh, Florida was another SEC school that kind of cared about baseball. They weren't as, as dogmatic about it as they were at Mississippi State. Still not. But, um, you know, they were one of those programs, and Florida State was a good program. Uh, we got in, we were in the Metro Conference at the time I went, and the Metro Conference, a lot of people don't even know that we were in that, but the Metro Conference was, uh, heck, is one of the strongest conferences in the country in, in, in a lot of sports, but the problem was we didn't have football. All of our football teams were independent, so therefore the Southern Miss fans didn't know much about the Metro Conference. And we weren't in the papers like the SEC and the Big Ten, Big 12, no, that sort of thing. So Metro Conference was really, really strong. But just for you that don't know who the Metro Conference was, it, that was us in Florida State, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Cincinnati, Memphis, and Tulane. Those were the eight teams in the Metro Conference. And you mentioned all those programs right now. And, in baseball, basketball, and football, and you will have really great programs, is what it amounts to. And it yeah, was so in hindsight, people that know the Metro, they look back and like, dang, if we could have kept that thing together, man, we'd be a, a power well, company. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, of, there's a good, interesting story about that, but it's too long to tell on here. But that, uh, you know, when that happened, there's there's reasons it happened that, uh, and of course, I hate that we got left out of a lot of things that we did, but it, at the time, we were one of the pioneers of what was happening. It just got messed up. Yeah, no, a lot of things frustrate with not moving out of conferences, what have you, and moving on. But, you know, still, let's get back to the baseball thing, Coach. And uh, real quick, you know, you, you were selling, you're promoting, the fans are starting to come. But with that, you know, you, you got to start producing on the field. And dang, did you start producing on the field in 1990, school record 42 wins and the first ever NCAA regional appearance for Southern Miss baseball. How did that feel? Like, finally, man, we're on the map, all this hard work, you know, everything I've been doing. Well, yeah, it felt really good. It was great. Uh, we, we had gone through 88 and 89. We were pretty good. We were, uh, we were, but we hadn't won. You had to, had to win the conference championship. And well, that was played at Florida state every year and, by, and, and run by Florida state with their umpires and everything else. <laughs> but us in South Carolina started pushing for the old Metro to start moving around a little bit, let everybody else. And that, that was the way we got the stadium. Uh, they finally agreed that we would rotate it in the conference and, and, you know, went to Coach McClellan saying that, you know, three years from now we're going to have the conference tournament and that sort of thing. We needed to build a stadium and, you know, they, and then we put together a method of doing it and all that. But uh, that's what happened there. But, but you know, it was such a, such a tough league and, and – Winning the tournament's what it took to get an automatic bid to the regional, and we weren't going to get but one. And the Florida State was already winning 50 games a year, and we were playing the tournament at their place, like I say, with their umpires and everything else. So, you know, it was – you really didn't have a hardly, hardly have a chance. And one of the things I never had the whole time I was there, we only were getting 48 teams in the region. And that was one of the reasons I retired when I did. I was just so tired of being on the bubble. We had been on the bubble for 
five of the last six years, uh, whatever it was, four of the last something. But um, have to keep the team there and watch the show and see if we're going to be in because we close. We, you know, got 38 victories and that sort of thing. They were just starting RPI, and they wouldn't tell us how to, anything about the RPI. We didn't know uh, what you would do to make a stronger RPI and all that. So, you know, we never – we'd keep getting left out. We, we, we went in 90 to the regional, and then we went in 91 to the regional. 92, we kind of fell off. We had a lot of guys hurt and all that, didn't win enough ball games, so we knew we wouldn't be in. But the next five years – we were good enough to be in a regional, but it was so tough to get in that we just knew our conference tournament champ was going to win. Our regular season champ, I mean, was going to be in, and our regular season champ might get in. But that was about all we would get at that time. So, And it was only 48 teams. Well, it's 26 conferences or something that had champions. And, and the at-large bids, you know, out of the SEC and everywhere else, you just almost had no chance of getting in a regional. And we were pushing to have a 64, and about that time, Title IX was coming on, and we couldn't – all the answers from all athletic directors and presidents, because they know we, we can't violate Title IX, and we can't give you something that we don't give the softball team and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, we just didn't have a chance. didn't look like we had a chance at all of getting 64 teams, going to 64. Well, we never got over two teams in the in – the, regionals out of the Metro. And then Conference USA started in 95. I, I left in 97. But Conference USA was, you know, the kind of the diluted Metro Conference. It changed around a little bit. And uh, we, we still had 48 teams. We never had more than two teams get in. And so I after I retired, that was one of the main reasons it was just worn out trying to win and get in that thing. You know, we go through all that every year, and and then, then you know you you got to try to win forty games. You know, or try to be around forty, and, and getting there is tough when they limited six games. So, you know, we just ended up having a lot of time doing that, and I and I finally just got kind of got tired and worn out, and you know, start to have a little, one of the things that I wanted when I started was to make it where people cared where we won or lost. <laughs> And then we're starting to care. We weren't winning. We weren't getting in the regionals. We got no. Well, and coach, let, let's focus on that there for a second, man. I know it's tough here and there getting into some turning, but considering where you started in '84 at Southern Miss, I mean, you, you're giving away tickets to mid '90s, and we're going to regionals and fighting for regionals. And then Southern Miss baseball is the thing to do. All of a sudden, let's talk about that journey that you did, which is absolutely incredible. Like I said, it's a field of dreams movie come to life. If you build it, they will come. And they started coming coach. Uh, and one of those places, if you don't mind me talking about, you had a big vision of, the, of just this whole scene with Southern Miss baseball, the right field roost, which has become huge in Southern Miss world. What was your vision with the right field roost and getting that well, going? You know, I didn't know I had a vision. I, I wasn't <laughs> it looks like, it looks like a movie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I had a vision, but I was, uh, you know, basically, uh, just to be real honest, we kind of kind of followed what State had done. We were kind of copying Mississippi State, and all my Bulldog buddies are loyal here and there, I guess. But 
<laughs> we were copying them in that they had the left field lounge. And, and then when we went to Bill McClellan with it and, and, and presented it to him, God dang boy. I mean, I can't quite use the same language, but we can't, we can't, nobody buy tickets to that thing. And, um, but anyhow, we, uh, we did that and, and we started with 10 places up there. I think it was 10, maybe 12 right in the corner, what is now the corner up there. Uh, we had a batting cage built up there in that parking lot or where the gravel is now. We had a big, our hitting cage just down there in right left field is, uh, was up there on the hill. That's where we put it. And, uh, but anyhow, right past it, we did the first 12 spots there. And, and, and the Coach Mack said, uh, we went to him. He had just come there as AD. And Coach, I didn't even ask Coach Mack. Uh, uh, <laughs> Coach Dale about it. I knew he wouldn't wouldn't agree with it. I'd just done it if we were going to do it. But we were kind of getting ready to do it. And so, well, Bill McClellan came, and he had been around. He was at Clemson all those years, and they had had some good baseball programs at Clemson. They weren't anything like Mississippi State, but they had some good baseball programs. So he knew a little about it. But anyhow, I mentioned it to him that we want to do this and uh, coach will ben willoughby went in there with me ben was running our eagle club which by the way ben was my one of my biggest supporters and helpful in building all this stuff he helped do a lot of the things we had to do the undercover work to get people involved to, to whatever we needed and um anyhow build it ben and i went in coach mac said we'd like to put this roost in and, and we'd like to do like to do at Mississippi State. I say, no, we're not doing that. We, first of all, we want everybody to buy that. And I, he said, how do you want to do it? I said, well, we'd like to charge $100 a spot and, and, you know, that sort of thing. He said, well, he thought of it. He said, $100 a spot. They got to be a member of the Eagle Club. And he's the one Bill McClellan put in the Eagle Club. They got to be a member of the Eagle Club and they got to buy four season tickets and you got to drive in in a pickup and you got to stay in your pickup you bring your party supplies in but you got to stay in your pickup and that's the way the roof's designed and uh it could only be pickups and then it, you know changed a little to trucks and that sort of thing i got another story about that but uh, oh uh, anyhow bill he said, all right, we'll try it. It ain't going to work, but we'll try it. And this was Thursday before we opened the season on Friday. And Ben was going to do it. He was going to do it during the game. Anybody that was at the game, the few people, he was just going to hit them up and tell them what we were thinking about doing, see if anybody would be interested. Well, as soon as the game was over, Ben came to me and said, hell, they all 10 of them sold, or all 12 of them sold, whatever it was. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, they gobbled them up. So he said, uh, bad part of it is about most of them or half of them or so are Mississippi State people. I said, really? He said, yeah, they know what they know about baseball and they know what we're trying to do. And, and, and they bought them. And some of those original owners are still out there and uh, are still, their names are still on them and they bought the original seats. And they did. They knew what was happening. Most of our fans had never been past a football game or a basketball game, maybe, but not a baseball game. So <laughs> explaining to them what we were doing was but kind of out of the wayside. But anyhow, that took off. Fun part about it was next year, 
about a month before the season, Bill McClellan came up to me and said, hey, here, what, what do you think we could move those cages and maybe sell a few more of these places up here? <laughs> so <laughs> I said, yeah, we got a good place to move it to. And he, of course, he had it moved uh -huh. for us. Back then, they, I didn't have to move it. He uh -huh. moved it. But they moved it. But anyhow, that was fun. But uh, oh, the roost has been something, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten wilder and wilder and, and people just love it. And, and, I, and I've been told several times it's the hottest ticket on, hottest ticket on campus when that comes up for sale. It's, you know, it's in people's wills. <laughs> well, Coach, you know, LSU being in the regional on site last year, but a place to be was the right field roost. I mean, I had to finagle my way into getting back there, man. I, I, th I thought people know me, man. I was a nobody. I somehow got a ticket, <laughs> me and my wife. But just backtracking your career, Coach, what an incredible career at Southern Miss. You take it from, like I said, fans, you know, getting it for free more or less to where, you know, it, it is the, one of the hottest tickets in town. And, you know, you were two-top conference coach of the year in a seriously tough conference run right there. Yeah, I mean, you coached eight All-Americans. You coached 35 pro baseball players. I mean, in that stadium, you know, Hill Denson Field, Pete Taylor Park, you're just immortalized out there, Coach. So just just recapping Southern Miss, and, and before we get into kind of Bellhaven stuff, uh, what what are your thoughts just kind of recapping Southern Miss? Well, as, as, you know, some of the greatest times of my life and in, in, in our whole family's life, my girls, both uh, Jill and Molly, grew up from elementary school through high school there and college while we were there. And uh, so it, it's a great time of our life. And it was a lot of fun, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, ups and downs. And, and uh, hope most of the baseball fans, and I, you know, I told you earlier a while ago, I said one of my main goals when I started in 1984 was to make it where anybody knew we were playing and if they cared whether we won or lost, you know, and that, really wasn't happening at the time and and so and it got to that point where it, you know those last three years or so I was there they were getting on me pretty good because we weren't getting in the regionals you know and, and that's so and I'm, I'm thinking I thought there's no place to get in unless you win the tournament every year and, and uh, you know that's a hard thing to do too you gotta be lucky gotta be hot just like the world series when you get up there you get hot and get lucky and <laughs> you win the world series so yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody's about the same every year, and that's that way now. And, and of course, Corky and, and Scott coming along with with me, and you know, Corky was with me two different times. I had Corky my first year there, <clears throat> or after the first year, uh, I was doing the recruiting myself. Didn't have any assistance at the time, and uh, Corky had a player uh, over in Columbia that uh, that I wanted, and uh, we wanted, and. and uh, Corky wanted him to come to Southern because he had played. And that's where I got to know Corky. I'd always heard his name, but he was playing during the time I was gone. I was out of there in, in Callaway and so forth. So I wasn't close with Corky at the time. So I had him go with recruiting one day with me. And we went and looked. And I remember now we went to see Fred Cooley. He's probably one of the best hitters we've ever had there. And uh, we went to see him play. And Corky wanted to ride with me because I was trying to sign his pitcher. And he wanted to get to know me a little and told me, that first day, he said, you know, that was – I played here and would love to be there coaching sometimes. Well, anyhow, long story short, we worked it out where he could come be our assistant and his wife was working as, as a nurse. And, um, Lynn Shadows, who was Herschel Shadows' son, was able to help him with a place to live and, and an apartment to let him live in and that sort of thing. So 
he became our assistant coach that first year, after the first year, that first half year. And he stayed with his assistant a couple of years before they called me back from looking for a coach from Meridian. And he ended up, of course, going up there. And we got to know Scott Lawson. But anyhow, all of us were really close, really close. Oh, heck yeah. They speak to you, but in the highest regards, especially Coach Scott Berry. Uh, you know, he said one of the neatest things. He, he, he said, you know, you talk about coaching baseball, the top names. You talk about Ron Pope. You talk about Skip Bertman in the same sentence. It's Hill Denson. That's the kind of impact you made around these parts, Coach. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's one of the coolest things I've heard. And it's true because, I mean, like I said, we, we, you tell the story from 84 to 97, everything you did, you made Southern Miss baseball a thing. But, but when it ended, Man, you still got coaching baseball in your, in your vibes, your blood, man. Just one of those guys. So you take over Bellhaven in 2001. Uh, how was that taking that program over uh, back in 2001? Well, uh, you know, let me back up just a little bit. I, okay. I, I retired after the 97 season. A lot of people, for some reason, thought I got fired, but I didn't. I decided to retire. But what I, I wanted to stay on and work part-time, I could start drawing my state retirement at the time. And I wasn't planning on uh, coaching again. I really thought I wanted to go administration. I had several people around Tabby and all telling me I was going to be the next athletic director. And, and, you know, they'd been telling me that for a while. And I talked with Bill about it and that sort of thing, McClellan. And so when we had an opening for – Assistant there. That's when I decided to retire. And all. Long story short, that uh, after about a week of working in a little administrative work, I said, "What? What are you, what are you thinking about here? We're not <laughs> being athletic director." But uh, I went in. I started doing a little commercial real estate and all that with Steve Floyd there in town and Rusty So, and um, you know, I, I I wasn't planning on leaving and going back into coaching. But about you know, uh, say two or three months, maybe six months before Bellhaven, uh, I got a call from the University of Memphis. And they said, uh, he'll, Bobby Kilpatrick, who was the old baseball coach, was assistant AD, and he was calling in and said, I'd like for you to be one of our top three interviews for the job at Memphis, Memphis State at the time, uh, at Memphis State. And uh, he said, I want you to come up here next week. We'll fly you up or you can come up or whatever. We'll bring you up here next week and do an interview. So, you know, I, I said, well, I kind of got excited about that because I was drawing state retirement, see, and that meant that if I went back to a state university, I'd have to give up that retirement, but I could go out of state or I could go to a private school and still draw my state retirement, which I've been doing since 97. And uh, so, Anyhow, he says, uh, we want you, long story short, they didn't hire me at Memphis. Got me all excited about getting back in. Then I came to find out, came to find out later that they knew who they were hired to begin with. It was a big league first base coach and never coached in college, which lasted another two years, I think, before he left, but got left. And, uh, but anyhow, they, they, you know, that was just kind of a show for them, but it, it Kind of got me thinking to get back in coaching. A couple months later, I get a call from Bellhaven and, and end up going up there. And it that fit pretty good at the time. Judy was doing a little work with New York Life, and that was her main office was in Jackson. She didn't want to go to Memphis anyhow because she didn't, didn't want to be that far from her main office in Jackson. So that wasn't that worked out good to go back to Jackson. We had lived there. Our girls were 
born there, both of them really in Jackson before we moved to Hattiesburg and Nashville and then Hattiesburg. But uh, anyhow, we, uh, things went along there pretty good. And, and, and we, you know, we went and ended up going to Bellhaven. I thought I'd just go up there a year or two and kind of get it out of my system. But yeah, I got my <laughs> I'm coming from Bell. Bell no, so, I, I mean, I, you were just trying to get out your system. I mean, you had one hell of a run. I mean, when you look <laughs> at what you did, you had over 600 wins there. You were conference coach of the year three times. Y'all won six conference championships. And in 2010, you go to the NAIA World Series. So this just kind of like, yeah, hey, I'll get it out of my blood. No, man, you you really bumped <laughs> up that program, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was fun there. I enjoyed it, and, and of course, it was uh, you know wasn't the same as, as Division One, but it was good baseball, and, and it became really good baseball in the league with Kerry and and uh, you know a lot of good school, University of Mobile, and all which are good baseball programs. It was a very good baseball program, a lot of fun, had a lot of fun there too, and enjoyed it, and got a good retirement from Bellhaven too. Heck, heck yeah, man. It's all about a good retirement. And, and every time I've seen you at the Pete Taylor Park, looks like you're living the life, coach, and uh, for sure. But um, I do want to talk to you about a couple other topics, you know, after just talking about one unbelievable baseball coaching career. Uh, some things pop up at Southern Miss here all the time, and it's so unique. Southern Miss baseball has only had four baseball coaches in their history. Pete Taylor, you, Corky Palmer, and Scott Berry. Why do you think it is as such, man? Only four coaches, man. When, when you know, some programs are turning over left and right. Well, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> why that is. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, all those, all those coaches, all four of those are, are got Southern Miss blood in them. Uh, Scott Berry didn't really go to school there, but Scott got uh, – he cut his teeth in coaching it with Corky at, at, at Meridian and the Deer Club with us, and we were all close friends. And, and uh, he became a Southern Miss person, so knows how Southern Miss. Southern Miss is a different place. Yeah. You don't go out and hire a football coach from California or Texas that's never been here and expect him to do much in here other than maybe try to win a bunch of games, get a week schedule, win some games, and get out of here. And uh, back at when they were, you know, done some crazy things on campus. We've done some crazy things. And, and uh, of course, to me, the, the, the worst thing that's ever been done there is the firing of Jeff Bauer. You know, I've never – and you got to look at that. I told Ole Miss fans last year that we're playing in the beginning of the year, and they are this year now because Ole Miss was playing so bad at the beginning of the year last year. I said – I said it on the radio two or three times. The dumbest things ever been done in this state is firing Jeff Bauer. And the second dumbest thing would be to fire Mike Bianco at Ole Miss because he's a great baseball coach and brought y'all so far. And lo and behold, they get hot and win the national championship. They were one of the worst teams in the nation this time last year. So that's the way baseball is. It's up and down. And one of the things that drives you crazy in the game really is you don't you know, if, if I'm sure every baseball coach in this country, almost every baseball coach, would tell you that they hadn't got the game figured out yet either. And uh, you know, you just, you just, you got it. so high sometimes, and you're so low. And you talk to the players about just playing long this even kill. If you get beat today, you shake it off and you win tomorrow, and you just keep going because <laughs> you're not gonna go undefeated. You can forget that. You could. 
It's, it's awful, you know. You hit them no, hard. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's interesting. You know, last season was so big for Southern Miss baseball that, uh, you know, we're, we're in game 26 of this season, and uh, some fans are acting like the sky's falling. So I felt like the need to tweet out. I said, you know, at this point last season, we were 18 and 8. We're 16 and 10 right now. We're two games off the pace. I swear the sky's not falling. It's baseball, man. It's a it's great. You tell the players that you just gotta you gotta go with the flow, man. Just keep That's stay right. the course. <laughs> That's exactly right. And you get when you get in a tournament, you gotta be hot yep. and lucky. Yep. You way. <laughs> and I can give you an example of the super regional in Hattiesburg last year. We were behind three to nothing. We hit a bases loaded home run that that far foul that would have made it four to three. I remember that. Yep. Mm. Mm. Things would have completely been different. They ended up (laughs) ball game ten to nothing. Everybody, oh, you can't hit. We got beat. We got killed. That sort of thing. But baseball is such a momentum game that that you know that. That difference right there is, is uh, the difference in the Super Regional and maybe the national championship. It's just so like that. Like they hot. They were hot, but they got to be lucky, and that was luck. If you saw that replay over and over and over, and you saw their pitcher who was having a great, great series, uh, really do a good job for Ole Miss. But he was throwing, and when he threw that pitch and Lynch hit it, he did that. He knew it was gone, and it wasn't any question, but it was hooking. Uh, just, mm, mm. So, I mean, that makes a difference in what happened, probably in what happened with the national championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they were hot at the right time, too, and that happens. But, uh, yeah. Coach, uh, for people watching this that may not know, man, tell me about your current life. What's going on with you and Judy and family life, man? What's, what's going well, on? Well, I'm double retired. <laughs> I don't do anything, but I stay busy all the time. Okay. give you a good example. Got up the other day, got dressed for church, drove down to the church and got there, and lo and behold, there's nobody there but the custodian said, Coach, it's Tuesday. I said, I'm not, we don't have church on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> You're feeling the spirit, though, Coach. <laughs> yeah. All right, man, I can't keep up with the days. Uh, but uh, they, we're doing great, uh, having a great time, doing nothing. Uh, Play a little music. We do play music, and a lot of people don't know I'm an old ex-drummer from back years ago. I don't consider myself a drummer, but uh, love to play the drum, love music, always have. Of course, Judy's a music person and uh, sings and plays. And, but anyhow, it's great. The, the retirement life is fun. Uh, uh, again, not not doing much of it. I know I can say I did, but having well, a good time. Yeah, one cool thing, your name is still so huge in the Southern Miss world, in the college baseball world. Coach, I mean, any message for the Southern Miss nation, man? Some words from the Great Hill Denson for the fan base and just that you might want to get out there. Just hang in there and keep loving USM and and quit trying to run coaches off when you don't win a game because you're going to lose some games and you got to keep firing in in the – I tell you, I'll, I'll say this right off. There's not a person in the ballpark or the stadium or the gymnasium, not a person in the ballpark feels worse about a loss than the coach. And all you fans that think you know it all, most all of the answers you have are after it happens, you know. 
should I have bunted or should I have kicked the field goal? Or, you know, after it happens, you see, well, I'd have done it the other way, you know, and most everybody's like that. So, you know, understand that the coaches, when we get good coaches there on campus, don't run them off. Keep them there. And, and people that want to be there and win ball games with you. Right now, things are looking good to me. I'm so glad to see it back where it's supposed to or headed back where it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, I hate that we went through that period of down with our football and, and really basketball program uh, during during the uh, last eight to ten years or whatever, during the time that all this conference stuff was around because I thought we ought to be in, in that Power Five stuff, we ought to be getting that money that those guys are getting. We got left out of there, but when we got people that want to do things and, and love it and, and are, are good coaches, you know they're a good coach, you know, you quit trying to run them off. And that's just, that's natural with all fans all over the country. I understand that. And, and you know, I hear the fans that stayed in Ole Miss complaining now because they're not there. And, and even maybe one or two from Southern Miss because we're not doing what we did last year. Well, got a different bunch of players and different things happen. And, you know, injuries and all that kind of stuff. So, but nobody cares more about it than the coach, I guarantee you. Oh, you're right about that. And then the big three sports are starting to win again. And I, I keep saying it's almost like a little 80s Eagle fever kicking back. Oh, in. absolutely. I love, love like <laughs> what they're doing down there. Went out and saw the basketball team play this time. And I'll tell you, that was a fun team. And like I said, I had a blast catching up with you, Coach. I mean, you know, to kind of sandwich this interview, man. I mean, six Hall of Fames. I mean, I. Your accolades are through the roof, and I swear people that know you, I know you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame somewhere, Coach. There's a seventh one, I think, some Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But but uh, like I said, Coach and Legend, man, it's just such an honor to have you on, Coach, and it's an honor to know you, call you my friend, and I appreciate you, you so much for being on. Thank you, Marshawn. And I love, you know, I can remember back in the days walking down the hall and see we around you football players and all, and I would always – when I could, I probably did it time or two to you just get even with you and then pop you with a forearm. <laughs> oh, you always you had a comedy routine to you, coach. Kept me kept me kept me on my edge. <laughs> big defensive tackles, you guys, all you big tough guys. I popped you <laughs> on all back. Oh, pound for pound, nobody's gonna mess with you, coach. I promise that. So. <laughs> well man, what an honor. What an honor catching up with you. And uh, I guess always going in these interviews is Southern Miss. To the top. Yes, sir. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, I enjoyed catching up with college baseball coach and legend Hill Denson. Well, next up, it's story time, and it's coming from one of the best college baseball pitchers in America. That's right. It's our ace, the one and only Tanner Hall. What's going on? Tanner Hall here. Uh, some of my favorite Golden Eagle experiences definitely come from, I mean, my freshman year playing in the Oxford Regional, I'll never forget that. I, I got to pitch, I went five innings in, in one of those elimination games against Ole Miss and just being a freshman and being, being able to go out there and compete is something that I'll never forget, just getting that opportunity. Also, uh, last year, really big memory that I'll never forget is uh, being switched to Friday night on my birthday, March 18th. And that was the first week in a conference and I'll never forget just turning uh, 20 years old and getting to go out and, and pitch on Friday night, which is something I've dreamed of my whole life. Uh, also, going on the last year was the regional and the super regional. That's something 
and I don't think any of us will ever forget just the atmosphere, the fans, uh, the amount of energy that was being produced uh, during those two weekends was, was really fun and exciting, not to mention being able to play some really good teams here and bounce them back off of two days of rest during the regional. That's something that uh, I felt like I had to face and I felt like it made me stronger and it's something that I'll never forget as a Golden Eagle. Well, thanks so much for sending that story into the show, Tanner Hall. Well, that's it for another edition of Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime. And if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, we're trying to get the Southern Miss name out there. And until we get a thousand plus subscribers over there, YouTube limits us to what we can do. So I'm asking you to do something absolutely free to do. Take a second out of your day and that's to head to YouTube or Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime page there and click that subscribe button. Well, until next time, as always, it's Southern Miss to the top.